world. And today's word is forgiveness. What a powerful word of hope that is. And we will find it lodged within what we call the parable of the prodigal son. From Luke chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off, went to his father. But when he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on, and he replied, Your brother's come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. And then he became angry, refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. And I've never disobeyed your command. And yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. 
He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. It's important to note who Jesus told this parable to. He told it to the grumbling scribes and Pharisees, the elder sons and daughters, who were upset because he, quote, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he's not telling this parable to prodigal people, although they are listening, they're there in the audience. He's telling it to religious people, people who do the right things. We call it the parable of the prodigal son, but the word prodigal is not in the Bible. It's nowhere in that story I just read you. So someone along the way decided to name this younger son the prodigal son. And the story may not really be about him at all. Pay attention to the elder son. When the younger son returns from squandering his inheritance, Jesus has the father throw an extravagant party for him. Now, the other elder son is out working. Remember, the Pharisees and the scribes are the elder sons, the ones who always do the right things. And so he has them out working in the field, and when the elder son comes home, He comes home to a band, an open bar, and dancing. The open bars, I added that. (laughs) And he says to the father, Jesus puts these words in his mouth. Listen, which is no way to start talking to your daddy, by the way. For all these years, I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your commands. And yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice the ping pong match we're playing, this son of yours, and the father comes back and says, this brother of yours, this son of yours, nobody wants to own this guy. When this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, very specific, You killed the fatted calf for him. That's the elder son's problem. And I can relate to this guy. Because this is unfair. Not only would I not throw this younger brother a party, but I would have made him stay in a hotel See, the elder sons and daughters come out of what we call the field of duty. That's where I live, the field of duty. I was 16 years old when I took my first part-time job. 16. Drove a truck for the newspaper in Fayetteville, picked up paper boys, took them on their route, tried to sell the paper to people who wouldn't buy it. I wasn't very successful. 
But I worked through high school and various jobs part-time after school. And then when I went to college, I worked part-time all the way through college. When I graduated, I went directly to seminary for three more years. And then after I graduated, I took my first church. I lived in a manse, a house that's owned by the church. I had health insurance, pension, a very, very small paycheck. And I had six Sundays off a year, six whole Sundays out of 52, whether I needed them or not. And the rest of the weekends, I was there at that church. For 47 years, I've been working in some form or fashion and always glad to have a job. And on the personal side, I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather. The grandkids call me Doc. And I've got some pictures if you'd like to see them. (laughs) I have a family. When my mother and father were alive, I helped take care of them. And now as my children have become young adult children, I'm still taking care of them in some ways. And now the grandchildren have come along, and I understand from Catherine, I'm going to have to pay for all their college educations. I have family responsibilities, and like you, I take them seriously. I care for my family. I care about my job. I get an annual physical every year. I have my teeth cleaned every six months. I exercise during the week, and I read a book a month. My father taught me this when I was very young. If you're going to work, work. And if you're not going to work, tell them you're not going to work. That has been my work ethic since I was 16 years old. It's the field of duty. It's where I live. It's where many of you live. Because people like us, we take the job and then we do it. We not only do it, but we excel in doing it. We get up early. And we go to bed late and we take care of everything that's in between. Put it on us and we'll deal with it. People depend on us and we deliver. You could say that we are the elder sons and daughters in Jesus' parables. We're the ones who stay home. We're the ones who do what is expected of us and even more. And look, you're even in church. That's what elder sons and daughters do. As much as I hate to admit it, I understand this elder son. I get it. And I can easily become frustrated with someone who purposefully squanders their potential, throws away their opportunities, neglects their duties, and obligations and becomes totally self-absorbed. Those people make me angry. And maybe they make you angry. And maybe they need to suffer the consequences of their behavior so that they will wake up one day and finally do the right thing. But if you bail them out all the time, then that sends the wrong message, doesn't it? Let them stay in the pig pen just a little bit longer. 
and then work their way back to where they once were. Oh, the elder son would have liked the idea for the younger son to come home and be a hired servant. That would have been the most an elder son would have given him. You made your bed, now you lie in it. That's what we say. But a party, throwing a party for a person like that? No, uh uh-uh. Elder sons and daughters don't even believe you deserve a party for doing the right thing, much less a party for doing the wrong thing. There's no way this kid gets a party. We believe in justice. The question is whether we believe in mercy. And isn't that the question Jesus is posing in this little simple parable for the grumbling scribes and Pharisees? Will you come into the party of grace? That's the real question of this parable. And the story ends without us knowing whether the elder son ever goes in to that party or not. And that's precisely where Jesus wanted the parable to end. Because the question is in the lap of the Pharisees. Will you go in? Henry Nouwen studied Rembrandt's painting, The Return of the Prodigal. And he wrote this. Both sons needed healing and forgiveness. Both. Both needed to come home. Both needed the embrace of a forgiving father. But from the story itself, as well as from Rembrandt's painting, it is clear that the hardest conversion to go through is the conversion of the one who stayed home. Yeah. The elder son. He's the one who's paralyzed by his own self-righteousness. The party is too extravagant, it's too unfair, it's too irresponsible for him. Now and calls it, quote, the lostness of a resentful saint. How many of us have stood outside of that party of compassion, a place of resentment that we're, by the way, entitled to? A place of resentment and a place of self-righteousness. It's a different kind of pig pen that the elder son finds himself in. It's a different kind of deprivation. It's a deprivation of mercy, of grace. Of compassion. It's another kind of starvation. The field of duty can become a pig pen when we are depleted of mercy. One son is lost in self indulgence, the other one is lost in self righteousness, and they are equally lost, and the Father's love is equally unconditional for both sons. And Jesus is saying that's the way it is with God. In a sense, this table this morning, this table of communion, is a party table, if you can see it that way. All prodigal and elder sons and daughters are invited to this party of grace. The question is, 
whether we will go in or not. What if the world were to have not only this word, forgiveness, but if it actually had a heart for forgiveness? The news would change, wouldn't it? And so would the world. A powerful word of hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.